Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I'm joined by Jitendra Zar, a Salesforce CTA and associate partner with IBM. Jitendra explains why he first pursued a career in IT and what the early days looked like for him. He then shares how he discovered Salesforce and how he had to be very resilient and overcome many interview setbacks to get his first full-time Salesforce role. From there, he then shares some of the challenges he has been exposed to, like building and training a 600-plus person support team and adapting his approach when he first moved to the US. We then hear more about Jitendra's CTA journey, the key factors behind his success, and some of his proudest moments from the years that he has spent giving back to the Salesforce community. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Jitendra, thank you so much for joining us. I'm all the way from Atlanta. Yeah, thank you so much, Ben, for having me. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure and uh, really, really looking forward to hearing more about you and your journey. I often look backwards first and kind of try to understand where you've come from and, and what has got you to this point, which we're excited to hear about today, but, but yeah, keen to also hear about your history. So what were your early kind of career aspirations and what interested you or attracted you to studying IT? Yeah, so yeah, that's a good question. My mom is a housewife and my dad is priest. So my dad wanted to go to the priest business and I wanted to have any excuse I would like to go away. I didn't want to become a priest. So what I did in my college days, I just followed one guy whose mother was teacher. So I knew that whatever the career decision that guy would take would be as per the technology trend. So I will say that's how I, I just follow that guy. And that's how I ended up with the computer engineering. Yeah. So at yeah. What, what age was that that you decided that computer engineering was for you? After 12th, so after 10th, I was still not sure. So after 10th, I took there's a general section in India where I can go for the doctor, I can go for the engineer. But after 12th, I got excited about, okay, how much I can do being an engineer, especially the computer engineer that time. It's around uh, 2002. So the computer kind of attracted me that, okay, I could do a lot of things in the computer. So that's I decided, okay, I have to become a computer engineer. Yeah, nice. So after studying, you then move into the workforce. And what were your first kind of projects? What were you first exposed to as an engineer? Yeah, so I wanted to, like, always wanted to learn more. And I wanted to always wanted to become that, okay, someone can trust me. So the key principle at that time, and I think that's still for, I follow today as well, just like, be like water, no shape, no form, wherever the technology goes, and wherever I think I can make an impact. I will choose that. So my career started with J2ME that time, I think 2006, 2007. So I started with J2ME. I went to Brew. Then I went to J2EE, ESP.NET, C-Sharp, PHP, wherever I could find, okay, that I can do something, I can build something. And I still remember my first application as a software engineer I built was a game in J2ME. That was a game of life. I was a fresher and I learned a lot from that application. It was a lot of algorithms playing with the for loops, arrays, right? So that got excited. Now, J2ME world was very small. I could do very small there, very limited library. There were, that time, the mobile phones had very limited RAM and memory. And that's where I decided, okay, J2ME is not for me. I wanted to do something more bigger. And that's how from J2ME, I transitioned to the J2EE. Okay. 
And how long did you spend in that space? So I will say almost till 2011, almost four or five years. And then that's when you discovered Salesforce? Yeah, so Salesforce story is good. So what happened in 2008, I was working in the JWE and I was writing a plugin for Atlassian Jira that time. And one project came that, okay, I have to integrate with Salesforce. So I studied the Salesforce API and everything back in 2008. And I used Partner Digital that time to integrate Salesforce with Atlassian Jira. So that's how my uh, encounter happened with the Salesforce, just as another system where I have to integrate. Now, fast forward, 2008, that was like six months or eight months of project for me. 2011, I thought that, okay, it's time for me to make a career move. And I put my resume in India. And in my resume, there was a word Salesforce. That like, I have worked with the Salesforce and integration. And out of 20 calls, almost 18 calls, that time I got Salesforce. So nobody was calling me for G2EE. Nobody was calling me for the ASP.NET or anything, right? They all wanted a Salesforce developer. And unfortunately, I only had eight or six months of experience. So I thought, okay, it's time to move. Let's see what the Salesforce does. Coincidentally, my company, Global Logic, they had a quarterly meeting. They started showing a Salesforce dashboard in front of all of us. That, okay, this is how our opportunity pipeline, this is how we are making money, this is how the company look like. So I fall in product that time only. That okay, my company themselves is using Salesforce to explain how the forecast and everything is working. And I'm also getting a call. So definitely this is a product worth trying. So I starting interviewing. Of course, I will fail a lot that time because I didn't have any actual Salesforce experience. So yeah, I think of six months I tried. And after six months, I got a break in Cognizant as a wow. Salesforce developer. So it's interesting that you actually discovered Salesforce like three years before you then started proactively pursuing a career in that space. Because a lot of people that we speak to, they find Salesforce and then they're like, wow, you know, I don't have to build everything. I can just build on top of the platform that's already built and all of the functionality and, and what comes with it. So I guess, what was it that did you not gain enough exposure to the functionality of Salesforce in 2008 to actually realize that you could build a career in that space? I think yeah, definitely you can say that in 2008, uh, I, I think I was the only one in global logic who knew Salesforce. It was just trial and error. At that time, we only had a developer forum, no stack exchange, not a lot of documentation. And funny incident is I had a requirement that I have to report a dashboard and I use a Visual Force page. I use the chart.js. I built an awesome dashboard. I was so proud of myself to know after three or four months that there is a concept of reports and dashboard out of the box. <laughs> so yeah, at that time, there was not much information available, as you can imagine in 2008. I also worked on S-Control that time. Yeah. For VF, uh, there was another concept like S-Control. But in 2011, uh, towards end, 2012, beginning, I came to know that, okay, this product, yeah, have what I have to do and how I have to proceed. Yeah, nice. So in 2011, you joined Cognizant and you're a Salesforce developer. Were you straight on the coding side? Is that the kind of career path that you continued when you came into Salesforce? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of the interviews that I had with a lot of company and they didn't have wanted to hire me because I didn't know Salesforce at all. Luckily, one of the manager now, my good friend, he gave me a break in Cognizant. I was very vocal to him that, hey, I am a G2W developer. I have worked in uh, Salesforce from the integration perspective, ask me any question I can answer. Unfortunately, inside Salesforce, I don't have working experience. And he gave me a break. 
coincidentally at that time they had a project where i have to integrate salesforce with other system i knew the apis but yes they hired me as a dev integration developer and then i started getting up as a salesforce developer role so that's how it all started but i was yeah. very clear with my manager that time that i am not a salesforce developer i am a j2e yeah nice and i think that leads me on nicely to the next question because I, when when i was doing my research around your background i saw that you helped build a team of i think 600 support people and what i wanted to understand from that experience was how did you go about assessing candidates and uh, what did you learn from that experience yes definitely so i will say 2013 i got an assignment in cognizant i had to go philippines in manila and i have to set up the call center for cognizant for the salesforce help and support and initially it was 6 month which ended up as an 18 months and we started i think with uh, 18 or 20 candidates i i was a trainer initially for them i trained them then i gave them real time scenario and everything and over the period of 18 month that 20 become almost 600 okay so one thing definitely i learned during that time and i think i still follow that same thumb rule that i did in philippines manila is uh, while you are interviewing the candidate in my opinion should be transparent now there is no way someone knows everything and it, it's okay to say right that okay for example i know aura component i never worked on lwc right but don't try to oversell yourself right don't bluff in the interview okay because as an interviewer i can definitely spot someone that okay this i mean in within a four years of experience how someone can get so much experience right so so person has to be transparent and don't bluff otherwise it is a career limiting move i will say another thing is uh, attitude to learn when i interview someone even in the manila day i will ask some question okay i have few question and my primary objective of that question is to gauge the attitude of the person is he eager to learn something is he excited about the product does he enjoy his job right mm -hmm. and so that's for normally the developer role but one question and i learn very hard way if i'm hiring a technical lead or technical architect even though someone is excellent technically even if someone knows brilliantly but the question is how that person interact with the juniors who knows i mean how the empathy level of that person okay how is emotional level of that person right he plays with team very well or not so again i ask kind of the question where i can feel that okay will that person play with the team properly or not in my opinion for the leadership positions that last question is very important than any other question so these are some of the learning that i still apply when i'm interviewing or trying to gauge the level of any candidate that i'm hiring yeah 100% i think that first point of being honest is so key and that's something i really try to drum into people when they're going for an interview it's because the the feedback when someone doesn't know the answer but tries to guess is often that if they were just honest we would have appreciated that a lot more than trying to fob their way through it but so many people feel that they're going to get marked down for not knowing an answer but the reality is like you said you can't know everything so as long as you can confidently answer what you do know and confidently say that you don't know something but how you would potentially look to find out i think that's the key to getting through an interview where you don't know everything that's right yes exactly so then you moved to the us right going from having been in india then then working in manila for 18 months or so did you then go back to india and then to the us after manila i went to india for 2 months and then i came to us okay how, how did you have to adapt to going into a, another new culture another new environment and what did you kind of learn from that experience yes so 
luckily for me the cultural shock was with philippines manila so from india i first time i went to philippines but the culture the english language and accent of the philippines is very similar to us so mm-hmm. i didn't get much cultural shock in us however kind of the eye opening moment was slowly i understood after two or three months that direct access to the client and having ability to set up in a meeting with client whenever we have any doubt gives a bigger picture of what client is trying to build and that's the game changing i mean that was the part that i think i was missing in india i mean of course i was talking to my colleagues and they always did their best but it's always different working directly with the client and one thing that i have observed in my experience many times it happens that client don't know what they need I mean, my experience, they simply have an old system and they want to replace to the new system. That's the mindset. Now, one thing in IBM that I, what I like is, uh, again, I did in my previous experience as well, kind of the workshop, enterprise design thinking. Don't ask what you want. Give us what you're doing currently and what is your pain point and let us help you to kind of build you the golden thread and what kind of experience you're going to have. So, that really changed and that was kind of the kick for me coming to the us and that is the biggest advantage i had sure and, and was that difficult like having come from an environment where you didn't do that going into an environment where you now had the opportunity did you have to observe how other people were gathering requirements or how how do you become comfortable with actually the process of gathering requirements and actually understanding and pushing back and and consulting i guess because up until that point if you're not consulting with the client you, you don't know how to consult yeah definitely so in india when i was there for me it was very black and white rule for me either you are technical and either you are not technical but when i came here the one most important role that i think people underestimate is the business analyst i really learned a lot from the bas from my project for the first initial year in us how they talk to client how they take a requirement how they use alm tool to track down all the user stories right how that acts the traceability matrix right so you can say that i got influenced a lot by bas okay i was a technical but to be yeah you're right i didn't had the exposure at that time how to con- call how to i will say contact client or how to talk to them how to ask a right question right so that most of the things i learned from the ba and after i came to ibm there is a whole consulting group i mean they will do the whiteboarding session right they do they may not know salesforce but they are very good in getting the crux from the client right that okay what exactly they need so yeah it's all whole learning process still learning right but these consulting jobs bas they influenced me a lot in my role this episode of talent hub talk is sponsored by our friends from flow republic Flow Republic is a Salesforce Architect Academy that works with individuals and businesses to upskill and prepare Salesforce architects for the CTA Review Board. They also have a number of other offerings, including coaching and guiding on areas such as soft skills, consulting, and design training. Flow Republic are some of the brightest minds in the Salesforce ecosystem and have a proven track record of developing Salesforce professionals and helping architects to reach their goal of becoming a CTA. To find out more about the value they can add, please check out flowrepublic.com. 
And then what about like progression for you? So obviously you've had goals and you've, you've, you've had certain achievements along the way and we'll get on to your most recent achievement, but how have you approached different career moves? Because you've gone from being a you know an engineer, so then moving into Salesforce as a, as a developer, I guess we would say in the Salesforce ecosystem, um, to then moving into architecture. And how have you approached different career moves from a company perspective, but also progression with jobs and, and job titles and responsibilities? Yeah. So, yeah, little bit I already touched previously. So, I never have the final goal in my mind, even today. I just go with the flow. That's what worked for me as well. And one important thing in the last few years I have seen is how can I contribute more to the community? I mean, even though I'm just a computer engineer, right? I'm not an astronaut or I'm not uh, working in automobile industry where I can make the groundbreaking discoveries. But at the same time, I try to, at least in a small sense, how can I make a little bit better place? I mean, what I can do? Can I talk to the students? Can I talk to freshers? Even if I can help them, right? So that is the one aspect. So whatever the technology, whatever is helping me to go to the next level, I will go with that one. Coming to the technology trend, luckily, all the heavy lifting is done by Salesforce. The reason I love Salesforce, if I see from the 2008, okay, they had a visual force. They came with Salesforce One Mobile. They came with the Chatter. They came with Heroku. They right now we have a CDP. They have a commerce background. They have MuleSoft. All I have to do in the last 10 years is stick to the Salesforce, closely monitor what product they are launching and try to understand from their lens that why they think that move makes sense, why the Slack makes more sense, right? So heavy lifting is anyways done by them. All I do is just study that product and eventually I study everything around that blockchain, right? People know that blockchain might be the next gig. IBM is heavily investing that one. Salesforce is heavily investing that one. So I think luckily I have a very good combination. So one side I have a Salesforce, one side I have an IBM. All I have to do is just see how these both companies are pushing me and that is going to be the future. So in IBM, we are mostly working on artificial intelligence, data science side. Salesforce, we are mostly working from the commerce side, enterprise communication side. So both company at the moment is helping me. And I think at least next few years, I will try to rely on the shoulder of these two companies, right? That, okay, what is the next announcement they are going to make? And at least I can get habitual of those products. Yeah, just keep positioning yourself in the right place as those two companies evolve. Um, it's a good place to be, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk about the, the recent goal that you achieved, so the CTA journey. At what point did that become a goal of yours and how did that kind of journey evolve over the, the years since you decided to pursue it? Sure. So around, I think, 2014 and 2015, um, there were only seven to eight certifications in the Salesforce ecosystem. I got all the Salesforce certification. One certification left that time was CTA. So I, was, I didn't know what is a CTA. I think I thought just like any other certification, like at that time there was a 501 advanced developer, sales cloud, service cloud. Maybe I could crack the CTA. So that was the first time. But talking to the few CTA, I knew that it's a long shot. I'm, I was not yet ready in 2014 and 2015. Then I started studying. I said, okay, let's give it a shot. It was mind blowing when I started studying about CTA in 2000, I think 15 late 2016 early, how little I knew. The more and more I studied, I knew oh, there are so many things in the Salesforce coming up. And even if I delay by three months, something, every time new product will launched, right? So when I started CTA, Heroku was very new. I think almost supposed to be launched, right? 
I delayed. Heroku came, Cloud Craze came. The new product started coming up, and I knew, okay, this is very hard. It's like a moving target. I am trying to achieve it, and it is giving a far away and away from me. So I will say one. And while preparing the CTA, the one thing I understood is definitely I wanted badge. Definitely I wanted a certification. But journey itself is eye-opening. I mean, how I prepare under pressure, how I made sure that okay, I'm, I'm working full-time in a company, but at the same time, I'm preparing over the weekends, after hours. I made a lot of friends, their thought process. And even though the CTA name is a technical architect, it really tests your time management, your presentation skill, your communication skill. And the most importantly, I think, is a kind of debate. How can you defend your solution? How yeah. can you defend your perspective in the right way? That was, again, um, mind-blowing. And that's what really I learned in the last two years. So I started full, I went in 2018. Of course, I failed that time. Then I didn't have a mentor that time. And I joined SEP, Flow Republic, I think in December 2019. And since that time, the journey has been very good. I mean, I learned a lot. I could see myself personally, how I see the problem now during that journey. Initially, I was like mechanical. Oh, you have this problem, I can solve this. And I will say to some extent, IBM also helped me because in IBM, there is a concept of enterprise design thinking. We never go normally. I mean, we always try to solve the complex problem of the client with the help of the workshops and everything. So both sides helped me a lot. So if you, if you think back to 2018, when you failed, and then recently when you went through the process with Flow Republic, how underprepared were you, do you think, in 2018, now that you know how much you went through with Flow Republic to get ready? Like, how, how much difference was there between not having a mentor and having a mentor? Yeah, so just to give a perspective, in 2018 also, I think I studied around four to six months, full-fledged. I appeared on board review, and I thought that I will pass. After two weeks, I filled every section, except one or two. Okay. Now, that time I knew that I didn't even know what went wrong. I thought technically everything is sufficient, right? And that is the point. At least you cannot improve if you cannot measure yourself or you don't know what was the problem. I didn't know what was my problem. So I, of course, I mean, a lot of people helped me on my way. A lot of CTAs mentors were there, but their time is very precious. It is very hard for CTA to get for me for six months or seven months. And then I heard about Flow Republic, I think somewhere social media or something. I reached out to Seb and Seb said, last candidate is left. Let me know if you want to join on the LinkedIn. Within a 50, 30 minute, I said, Sebastian, I'm in. <laughs> Tell me what I have to do. Great salesman, Seb. <laughs> <laughs> so I still remember my first one-on-one. -on -one. He kind of destroyed me Okay, on my first one-on-one. -on -one. I was completely overconfident and he threw me off. And that time I came to know I am everything except I don't need a technical knowledge. I was not good in communication. I was not good in storytelling, was not good in articulation. I was not good in expressing my mind that okay, why I chose solution A versus solution B. So solutioning was not a problem for me. The problem was defending that and how to communicate the idea. So I think that was the biggest difference for me. And other than that, I did solo that time. And this time I had a group study. I had my friends and we studied together almost every evening we will meet. We will challenge each other. We will know what are the uncomfortable areas and we will really ask hard on the area where someone is uncomfortable. 
we did a lot of mocks we learned a lot from them on top of that we did a lot of hands on and again trailhead is great i mean over the last few years trailhead been coming great source resource for the cta last not least the for cta mentor you need to have these are all the combination i will say i missed in the first attempt and which i made in the last attempt so has anything changed for you since passing because you've actually still referred to yourself as an engineer a few times on the podcast so are you still an engineer at heart or are you an architect like what where do you see yourself now that's a very good question i think at the heart i'm still engineer okay i i still love doing things by my own i i like making my hands dirty my way of learning is i i mean even though go i go to theory i understand conceptually i would not be very confident until unless i do it myself try it break it make it right so those are some of the things that i still love so even after becoming a cta i just try to get some excuse where i can get my hands on okay can i get hands on on cdp marketing cloud anywhere i can get a chance i will do it yeah nice nice another area i wanted to discuss with you is what you do in the ecosystem and uh, and how heavily involved in the kind of global ecosystem you've been you've got your mvp t-shirt on now so i i know that that's obviously a proud achievement but what have been some of your proudest achievements and uh, i guess uh, initiatives that you've been involved in across the ecosystem yeah so like in 2011 when i was giving a lot of interviews like i said i failed a lot i failed around 14 to 15 interviews in salesforce in the span of 6 to 8 months and one thing i figured out is uh, at that time there is not enough blogs anywhere about the salesforce so i started writing my own blog that time and i just that was really my work log to be honest because what happened with me i study and after 6 month i will forget i needed somewhere log book or something where i will note my experience now after one and a half year or two year people started coming to my blog they started visiting and they were not a help and training document they were actual my problem in the project and there was some work around some hacks that i did i started posting and that time i didn't know what is the value of the community and giving back to the community i was just writing a blog and people started messaging me on my blog uh, on my linkedin they started messaging me okay many messages i got that okay because of me they got they able to crack the salesforce they solve some problem so that gave me boost i mean somehow in, i always wanted to impact someone's life and if i am able to impact someone's like life by blog or something that gave me always boost so all i needed was comment from my readers saying that okay that thing worked for them and i was able to save few hours of their time so that encouraged me to open my youtube channel and then i became co group leader in connecticut then i moved to atlanta here also i became a co group leader and then i started speaking in dreamforce many community events and last year we had a virtual dreaming i think that was also very good experience so i will say at the end uh, simple messages from my readers simply saying thanks i was able to help them keeps me going nice how much sleep did you get during the weekend of virtual dreaming so yeah that uh, virtual dreaming no sleep for all the <laughs> offer yeah and that was also very interesting initially we thought that it is going to be four hour session and we will only have one track and then me amit and rakesh we started meeting every week and then that idea actually started becoming bigger and bigger and bigger so we had different different initiatives so we all three said okay combine the three initiatives so there is apex server there was path to code 
there was automation hour we thought combine all three initiative and make a four hour session that four hour session became 24 hour session because we got a comment from many people hey, it's not fair why you are addressing us why are not addressing india or uk and i said okay let's not make anybody unhappy let's go with the 24 hour event so that we can target everyone can we expect to see any other events of, of that scale again Yes I mean this year we were supposed to but we all got busy but I think we are planning early next year we are, it's already in the planning phase awesome yeah it was great i think uh, the feedback we received on it was really really good so looking forward to seeing that again and um, if any of our listeners want to reach out and ask any questions or hear more about your journey or or, or find your blog where where can they kind of contact you yeah i think i'm very easy to spot so i am of course on the linkedin they can directly drop me a message i am on my blog just my name jitendrajha.com you reach out to me there you reach out to me to me twitter it may got delayed my response but definitely i will come back for sure so yeah reach out to any of those social channels awesome well thank you so much for sharing your journey and yeah now i'm really excited to hear more about the next virtual event yes and thank you very ben. much pleasure Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. And um, we're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us do that.